Welcome to the podcast for people turning the great American RV adventure into stressless camping. We're glad you joined our weekly adventure. Now let's gather around the campfire with our hosts, Peggy and Tony Barthel. Welcome to the campfire. We are two RV industry veterans who travel part-time, well, not lately, in a small trailer looking to share big adventures and help you with great tips, tricks, and discounts. Yeah, absolutely. We're coming to you from... Surprise, camp boredom. Yeah. <laughs> but we have been doing some pretty cool stuff. We have been. We've actually been using camp. Yeah. We've been hanging out in camp around the campfire, and we're going to tell you some stuff about that in a little bit. Yeah, that's part two. But uh, part one is is really something different. But first, we have a new series on our website about vintage RVs. We do. I'm very excited to announce that we are starting a new feature about people and their RVs. And typically they'll be vintage RVs, but if someone's got an RV that's super, super cool that we learn about and it's not happened to be vintage, then we'll probably talk about them too. This week we talked about Brenna Bailey and her 1953 King travel trailer named Queenie. Yeah. So go check it out at www.stresslesscamping.com, which is our home base for everything. Uh, you That's can right. find these podcasts and we've been really busy writing stories lately. I wrote a few stories, in fact, that seem to have found their way into a few news outlets. Interesting stuff. So check out the website, follow us on the Facebook group and, and all of that because those are places where we put out new information and we also have an email list which you can also sign up for on the website that's right speaking of electronic stuff and automated stuff and cool technology and all of that this week we have an interview with a gentleman who has a fully automated rv park so we'll be right back with that in a moment We know lots of people who would love to try out stressless camping, but don't have an RV. That's why we love RV Share. It's a great way to test the waters without jumping in with both feet. With RV Share, you can rent other people's RVs so you can experience stressless camping firsthand. It's a great way to decide which RV is right for you. Try motorhomes, travel trailers, or fifth wheels and see what fits your lifestyle. And if you want a safe and secure way to make money with your RV, RV Share is the way way to do that safe secure and a great way to start stressless camping so check out rv share on the discounts and deals page on our website today jim turntine with rv self park has created something that is i think between a rest stop and an rv park where the i the concept is you're traveling somewhere you get tired and a lot of times we might as RVers pull into a Walmart or a Cracker Barrel or a rest stop, except in California where they're always closed. <laughs> and, you know, you spend the night and you're thinking, oh, this is great because it's free. But it's really not because you're using your own resources. There's others pulling in and out and trucks. If you're at a truck stop, you hear the air brakes hissing all night long and diesel engines idling. And so these places that are free are really kind of not free and they're pretty miserable, let's be honest. Right. And, and a lot of times you're sleeping with one eye open because you're wondering, you know. <laughs> yeah. Tony, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because everything you said, I've said. <laughs> I, I tell people it ain't free to stop at Flying J. I, I love Flying J's. I use them too. 
it isn't free in so many ways. And you you just hit every one of them. You're scared all night long. Is somebody going to bang on my door? Tell me I'm not supposed to be here. Right. Or some, somebody going to run into me. You hear the squealing tires or the thump, thump, thumping of the radios at two o'clock in the morning oh, from the, yeah. whoever the punk is driving through the parking lot at Walmart, you know. Trash trucks. Hell, I stayed at a Cracker Barrel one night. I was beat. And I pulled into a Cracker Barrel and I knew they wouldn't care because I was going to eat breakfast. Guess what showed up about a half hour after I fell asleep? Oh, no. Trash, <laughs> trash oh. truck. And they're out there, you know how they pack yeah. the trash. Oh, yeah. Well, they must have decided, I'm going to get this guy, you know. <laughs> and they sit there and pack that trash. They must have packed it for 20 minutes, it seemed like like so yeah it's not free there's all sorts of stress added right. stress and that's not what we want no you know, we don't want stress so couldn't agree more we've also been at uh walmart where sometime at like two in the morning they have this like sweeper truck that goes through the parking lot and it's scraping that metal thing and it's going up and down the aisles and uh yeah exactly so we heard about rv south park and we're fascinated and i think our audience would be too and i heard about you through mark Cap, and you had said a, a number of times that you make it a stressless experience. And I thought, oh man, that's that's, that's us, stressless <laughs> camping. Well, we're half there. The camping is the word that uh, sometimes gets abused in our, in our industry, I think. But in our case, um, we like to be clear with folks and let them know that we're not a campground. We're really trying to be a complement to campgrounds in that and I don't know about you guys or, or the average RVer, we built what I was thinking somebody should have built for the last 15 years. I've been an RVer, well, I guess about 16, 17 years now. And I'm on, I literally just bought my sixth RV. Oh, man. Um, yeah. So we, and we actually picked it up last week over in uh, Ringgold, Georgia. It's a 24-foot Mercedes that we bought really for the business and for our kids who are helping us. Uh, as we prepare to expand the RV Self Park business model, we've got a 42-foot Thor Tuscany pusher that I that I drive, but my kids aren't comfortable driving it. I've, I've coaxed them and tried to get them to, but they just, <laughs> they just aren't ready for that. You know, you're gonna make this a family affair one way or another. <laughs> one way or the other, and and they're excited. They're really excited. So they actually have it. We we brought it home and we took advantage of the trip. We went over and picked it up. And then we went down through Atlanta uh, and checked interstates. So we basically made it a prospecting trip for future additional RV self-park expansion. Right. And ultimately what, you know, what we're doing with the RV self-park is, like I said, it's nothing against campgrounds. I just want to stress the differences. We're looking to be in the higher valued real estate, if you will, close to the interstate, nearby the restaurants, nearby the fuel stops, nearby, you know, the Cracker Barrels and, and, and the Walmart and the things like, like where you would find the newest hotels. We want to be where you can see where you're going. Uh, we're lit up all night long like a, a parking lot, basically. Uh, it is a parking facility for RVs with full hookups and all pull-through sites. So when I say stress-free, I don't want, you know, personally, when I'm RVing, I hardly ever know where I'm going, at least day-to-day. -day. I know where I'm going, but I may not know where I'm stopping tonight. Right. You know, we like to go however far we're going and, and find something that's close, you know, close by to where we're, where we're at at the end of the day. But we want to get something to eat and we want to fuel and all that stuff. So that's really what we're, what we're building and what we built. And so I hate showing up 
at eight, nine o'clock at night and having somebody have to come and meet me with a golf cart and lead me to my spot. You know, it literally makes me feel bad sometimes, you know, if it's real late. But it's also an inconvenience because you got to stop and you got to go to an office or you got to find the paperwork. And then a lot of times you got to find the site and you can't see them and you got to walk around in the campground with a flashlight because because the cartoon maps never match the actual layout of the campground. So what what ours is, is ours is lit up when you pull in off of the interstate. You can literally see the interstate and and you can see the RV park from the interstate. Um, But we're about a mile from the interchange, from the exit ramp. So we don't have all the speeding up and slowing down noise, you know, from trucks and people accelerating and things like that. We're, We're trying to be just the right distance from the interstate interchange itself so that we can still be in close to everything, but a little bit quieter. And when you pull off of the service road into our our current prototype facility, which is here in West Sullivan, Missouri, our test facility, the first RV South Park. And that's here because that's where we live. And I owned the land already and the sewer and water was there. And I could do all the engineering myself and built a lot of it myself. I'm, I'm a developer. I own quite a bit of real estate and warehouses and duplexes and other housing and things that we've developed here in this town uh, of West Sullivan, Missouri. So it allowed me to mitigate a lot of the risk in developing the electronics and the other elements of the the automation that we're patenting and perfecting here at this initial site. But ultimately, we we believe that there is a huge demand for these all across the country. You know, small, not large numbers of sites. I just got done talking to a realtor in, in Mississippi, and I said, I don't ever expect, sitting here where I'm at today, I don't ever expect to build more than 30 sites on any one RV self-park. If, if we find ourselves full all the time, we'll go down the road to the next exit and build another one. We just don't want to make them so big that they there's too much traffic and too much things happening that upsets the cities. Right. Because we're going to be in higher populated areas, higher trafficked areas. And, you know, we don't want people, you know, thinking, I'm going to build a campfire here, for example. Yeah. It's just not the, the package or the business model where, we're, you know, when you pull off the interstate or you pull off and into an RV self-park, all of our sites are lit up. I mean, literally, I have a two-foot circular sign at this particular site. Now, we may modify that. It could be different types of signage. Um, this one is kind of themed for Route 66 because we're right on the famous Route 66. The signs you have remind me of the old globes on the top of some of the gas pumps. Yeah, that's exactly right. And actually, if you look at what we call our service stations, or you call them service islands, the way we built our structure for all of our infrastructure, for the sewer, the water, uh, and the electric connection, we, we put them inside of like a little service island like the like an old gas station or even the current gas stations have them, but they're made out of concrete or steel. Uh, we have a corrugated tank structure that we use to, to build the service station with. So we have some other things we're going to do. Literally, we just finished this thing in December, built it during last fall. So, you know, weather was, was an issue and, and paving, getting the paving done was an issue. But we got 15 sites completed and open in December. And we've had nothing but good feedback. We've had nothing but positive responses from all of our guests so far. And, uh, you know, I think I think we're on to something. So we're, we're moving into phase two as we continue to perfect, you know, the electronics and the software that we're developing to support it and preparing to tie into whichever campground software that we eventually use. Really, none of them were kind of prepared for what we do. We're more like an airport parking lot, I guess you'd say, when it comes to renting the space than a campground where people are booking 
months and months ahead of time and and the things that go on running a for example we're willing to let people stay for 10 hours minimum if they want to rent for 10 hours they can pay 20 bucks and stay for 10 hours none of the campground software was prepared for that right and time banking is another feature that we'll bring to the industry as we develop more park so that you know you bought those 10 hours or maybe you bought three or four days but something changed and you decided to go somewhere else well if we have a park there you can use that time elsewhere refund and all of that is not an issue because everything's automated. Uh, once you buy this time, the space from us, and you book a site, uh, when you pull in, we know you're there because we have sensors on the site. The water and the electric automatically comes on. And when the electric is powered up, it activates uh, power to a switch that allows you to push a button and have access to the sewer. So it's all tied together with that same function. And so we don't have to do anything. We're not there. We have people off-site. We have security cameras all over the the park, and it's lit up all night long. So anybody has any issue, they can call an emergency number that we provide, and we can bring up a camera and see if they need something or help them if they need help or whatever. We give access to the cameras to all of our guests. So if they want to have the cameras on and and check them all out from inside their camper, they can have them on in their laptop sitting on the kitchen table all night long if they want. We have free Wi-Fi, so there's no problem getting access to those cameras. And... um, I mean, it's just a pretty simple concept, guys. Yeah. You pull in, This, you know, they're all pull-through sites. We're not going to build any back-end sites. We want this to be as stress-free as possible. So when you pull Stress-less. in, you know you're going to site 12, <laughs> you can see it when you pull in from 100 yards away. The roads are painted. Uh, the sites are all striped, so you know right where to pull into. We tried to use... You know, the easiest angles, everything was at least 60 degrees or more. And I'm still learning because this is the first one I built. Uh So as we build them, we'll probably even increase those angles a little bit more. So it's almost impossible to drive off the road, if you will, (laughs) um, or or have the trailer track off of the road. So Okay, so let's say I'm driving down the highway. I happen to have the good fortune of being near West Sullivan, Missouri. (laughs) Tell me the experience that I have from there as an RVer, because it's pretty fascinating. If you did what my wife and I do, which we own several other businesses, that's what afforded us the opportunity to experiment and develop this business. What we do, we never know when we can leave. And up until January, I've always had a dog and the last several years we've had an aging dog so you can figure out what happened in january yeah yeah we've always had you know we don't like boarding our dogs and we'll have another dog soon we're still in that uh, healing kind of mourning process but we'll have dogs again and ultimately with our businesses and our dogs that we've never boarded we don't like putting them in a boarding facility i'm not judging those that do but that's just us we like having our dogs with us and not knowing if we're going to leave at noon or two o'clock in the afternoon but we're headed to a trade show or we're headed to a maybe a racetrack or a car show. I like old cars and I like racing. But normally it's business. It's either a, my last trip was a business. Well, before picking up that RV, it was a political meet. I was meeting with some guys on a political effort. So, you know, we just don't know when we're going to leave. We throw stuff in the RV and, you know, we usually have all of our toiletries and things in there. And so we, we drive and then, you know, we get hungry and we'll say, okay, let's stop, find us a, an Outback Steakhouse or something like that. And uh-huh. we have our dinner. And then it's usually while we're there, where are we? Okay, well, it's 
another hour to Sayre, Oklahoma. So Google RV parks near Sayre, Oklahoma and find one. And then if it's eight o'clock at night, are they open? Can we book a space or are we just going to go ahead and pull in and see if they got an after hours one listed on the right. on the bulletin board like so many of them do? That's how we've been doing it for 15 years because we just never know when we're going to get to. We're not one of these folks that sets and plans their trip out nine months ahead of time. We just can't. We don't. Right. So, so if you happen to be in my circumstances and you were in the St. Louis area and you were traveling down I-44 and Peggy, if you Googled while Tony was driving, which is how we're usually doing it. <laughs> That's how it you happens. Googled RV Park near West Selva, Missouri, well, RV Self Park is going to pop up and there's a link right on there. You can hit it to book a site and you book a site and uh, it'll tell you, tell us your information. Basically the same stuff that you're going to tell that person when you call a KOA, you know, what year model you have, what's your license plate number and how do you want to pay for it? We allow people to pay with PayPal or credit card. I won't say that our automation is 100, 100% happening right now because we're still experimenting with different pieces and parts. But for the most part, if you don't want to talk to anybody, you don't have to right now. And when we're 100% done through our testing of the different things that we're doing right now, you definitely won't have to talk to anybody unless you want to. So ultimately right now, if you, if you give us the information, within a couple of minutes, you're going to get a text or an email, whichever way you preferred it, because you have given us your text or your email information on that registration process that you did on our on, on the website or on the app. And then you're going to get an invoice back to pay for the site. How long you want it? If you want it 10 hours, you want it for two days or three days or whatever. If you pay that with PayPal or your credit card, you'll get a receipt back and it'll tell you what site you're going to. And it'll tell you all you have to do is, is pull into site 12 when you get there. It'll give you a link to the cameras if you want to check out the security cameras. I think the concept is brilliant. Right. I appreciate that. We've had a lot of good feedback. We haven't had any bad feedback, really. The very first week we opened, I did an interview with Bob Zagami and John DePetri. Oh yeah, those guys—they were—they were great, and uh, I didn't have the pricing figured out. And so we, the only pushback we got was people thought it was too expensive just to overnight and things like that. So we listened. And so we adjusted and said, you know what? We don't have anything to lose. We built this thing. We'll, we'll give people a basically a 10 hour and then an hour by hour option. And, you know, we'll see how things go because that's not our problem right now. We're not full. So if we're full, then we can say, well, we messed up on pricing. But so right. we, we dropped and gave people the 10 hour option for 20 bucks. We also joined, I think it was uh, RV America. And so our normal day. Daily rate is forty dollars, thirty nine dollars. Okay. Yeah, so for twenty four hours. And so with those guys, they require you to let people stay one night for half that, which also wound up being the twenty bucks. So either way, you can call us and book for ten hours. You can call us and book through that program, and it's still just twenty bucks. And quite honestly, we think we'll do just fine with that. But over the long term, we'll have to see how it all works out. We're still still learning, and a lot of it's going to depend on exactly where is the park. If I build a park just outside of Atlanta, Georgia, and the property cost a million dollars, you may have to charge more yeah. right. to park there than you do in West Sullivan, Missouri, where the property is, is less expensive. The sewer and water and electric is always going to be about you know, the same relative speaking, but the real estate itself, you know, that old adage, location, location, location. Oh, yeah. Right. But that's all what's kind of fun about this too. You don't know what you don't know and you, you live and learn, but, but we're pretty nimble. So that was kind of the only negative that we got from anybody. But as far as the guests that we've had, and we've now had dozens and dozens, um, we've had nothing but positive feedback. People have come and they've spent the night or spent a couple days and then they get up and they leave. When they leave, there's no checkout. There's nothing for them to do. They just pull out and the site knows it's now empty. 
So if somebody else is coming, it'll wait till they get there and turn the things on and turn the things off just like we want. It's pretty slick because each site is wired for 50 amp service. So you have a 50 and a 30 and you have a fully automated door that you can connect your sewer to. So you get, you pull into the site, a light goes on, you push what looks like a doorbell and you can open up your sewer connection right there. That's right. And there's water and, you know, as I said, electricity, great Wi-Fi, and you even have a AT&T cell tower within (laughs) a baseball's hit distance. Yeah. If you can't get a phone signal there, you've got a bad phone. (laughs) It works. And the internet is great too. I forget what we have up and down, but we actually have a great service. And there's a young man in, in this area that hooked us up with a, it's a new company and it's an overhead antenna fed internet service and it's high speed. We have all, every single site has uh, Wi-Fi elements to it that we have internally. So like the park has its own Wi-Fi, but then we provide every guest there's just like free Wi-Fi available to them. And it's it's enough to watch Netflix or get on Facebook, a couple of you. If you don't have enough, the neat thing about this particular company is you can buy more. If you want right there and you say, I need a gig, whatever you need, he can sell it to you for a like $10 upcharge for a few hours or whatever it might be. It's, it's a third party and I don't know all of his pricing, but the bottom line is we have excellent internet options there for anybody. And if you have a satellite like I do, there's no trees, there's no obstacles, yeah. so you can pull in, push the button, everything's uh-huh. low. By the, time, by the time you turn around, you've got your internet hooked up and your satellite has got its signal and you're ready to settle in for the evening and call it a day. That's what I wanted. That's what I've always wanted and you rarely get it, unfortunately. And again, nothing against campgrounds. They've got a whole different i kind of say we're like a convenience store compared to a grocery store that's a great analogy we both have the same thing but we're trying to do it in a different way right i really see a market for this we're in northern california and Uh one of the things that's frustrating about traveling in california to me is the rest stops are all closed or at least it seems like they are and there's a difference between meandering and going somewhere and if you're going somewhere a lot of times you just you don't want to even make reservations and so you're you stop at a walmart or whatever the heck it is have a miserable experience and the next day you're groggy or grumpy yeah grumpy (laughs) or whatnot and this is something that I think it's brilliant. I see that there's definitely a a market for it. Fully automated, it's spotless, everything actually works, and it's easy to book, and you can show up at 10 o'clock at night and not feel bad that you're waking someone up, as you you had said. Yeah. We had a gentleman yesterday morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, they pulled in. They were from, I think they were coming from California, and I I don't know. I didn't talk to him. I just saw what happened, because my home is only about a quarter of a mile away. I own own 100-something acres right in this area along this interstate and I've developed it all pretty much all that property has been developed now so when I drive to my office which is about a mile away from my home the RV park is in between so when I drive by I can kind of see what's going on I have access to the cameras and it's kind of fun to, to watch the cameras and see you know who's coming and going okay. and what's going on and, and it's just part of the process of testing things and learning this business too anyway I saw these folks had pulled in and they when we checked the uh, the registration, they pulled in like at five o'clock in the morning, and they were on their way to Ohio. Or at least one of the vehicles said Ohio plates, so I assume they were moving from California to Ohio. But they pulled in, you know, again, and did what they needed to do. There was nobody had to get up and go meet them. Nobody had to go out and lead them into their spot. They pulled in at five o'clock in the morning. They hooked up and they slept until about one o'clock in the afternoon and left. You know, just as simple as pie. It's a great concept. Yeah, and that's so- the great thing is some people don't keep. I don't want to say. Normal 
normal because <laughs> what's normal, but some people keep different kinds of hours. And if people like to drive from 5 p.m. to 5 a.m. instead of the other way around, that's great that you don't pay for an extra day that you didn't check into yesterday or, you know, have a problem because 5 a.m. is not when they want to check you in. Right. No, not at all. And you'd feel bad if you did. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's true. So Jim, I think you've got a great concept. My only question is when are you coming to California? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what we did. I appreciate, again, I appreciate the sentiment. I, I do. And we've had a lot of people asking about you know, everything from franchises to investing. And, and it's been a real struggle to kind of handle that part of it because I'm still, in my mind, I'm still perfecting this first one. So here, here's kind of how I've evolved over the last couple of months. We literally, while, while we were in Ringgold, we went down through Atlanta and then we came back over through Auburn, Alabama and Montgomery, Alabama. And then I went north to Birmingham, Alabama. Then I came over to Memphis. All on my way home, we meandered to every one of those major cities on those north-south corridors. And I will say in the, the middle south or somewhat of the south, because I think what our plan is right now, and it's subject to change because we are still evolving, but as a family, my children are involved and, and some others, and, and I, I've got a lot going on in my life. I have other businesses, and so I'm trying to kind of bridge and say, guys, I've patented this, and I own it, and I, and I think we should build some more. It's hard to tell someone, how can I franchise it when I don't have the first one really up with a good set of books to know what, what is fair? You know, how do you price it even? So we're telling everybody those things are coming. I, I think there could be 500 of these across this country and it's not like we're going to oversaturate because if you think about how many we've got a couple different sources of information but one of them was that there are currently approximately 1.6 million campground sites in America, maybe more, maybe a lot more, but we've, we've heard that number being pretty well substantiated. And if that's true, um, if we build 30 spots in an RV self park, 30, that's not that many. Right. Even if I had 500 across this country on all four corners of every major city, that's only 15,000 sites. That's less than a 1% increase in total RV parking sites in the country, less than 1% with 500 of these. And then on top of that, the other thing that I know is there are literally billions of dollars in RVs going unused. People, if they're not going camping or pretty darn dedicated, they're, they're setting in a storage lot. And there is nowhere, if you have a family event in St. Louis, Missouri, you you got to go rent a hotel room. There's no no place to park your RV anywhere near the city. Yeah. I had a horrible experience last fall. I bought a car in Ohio and I had met a friend to get some parts for another car in Kentucky. And we wound up driving north from Louisville through Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio. And I just knew those are huge cities and very highly populated areas. We'll find an RV park in that area somewhere. Well, we didn't. Yeah. I wound up driving all the way up into mid-Ohio before we finally found a KOA that we could get into. Um, and I drove literally through probably past 3 million people. Right. <laughs> then God knows how many RVs sitting in storage lots and facilities. What I'm trying to say is I think that there is a whole nother usage that could occur in the RV industry if there were more places to park them and use them for things other than camping. Hospital right. visits. For example, we're 70 miles from St. Louis here in West Sullivan. So if we had a major test or a, a new grandbaby on the way or something, we would go to St. Louis and rent a hotel room. Yeah. But if yeah. there was an RV self park within five miles of that hospital, I probably would go up there. I could have my dog with me. I could spend the night in the RV. And, and when the new baby got here, I wouldn't be in a hotel room. I'd be in my RV. Right. I already own. Right. So, you know, business meetings and 
construction work, not just, you know, the meat and potatoes construction guys, but just like my wife and I, we were traveling through Atlanta and Auburn and all that looking for prospective RV sites. You know, there's there's people looking for all kinds of business activity and, and uh, there's nowhere to park an RV anywhere near the town where they, they can actually conduct business or meet somebody for business without it being awkward or inconvenient. Yeah. So I think there's all sorts of little offshoots and we've had lots of conversations about it, but it's just going to take us some time. And so I think what we're going to do is try to build five to 10 more on our own and develop the books and develop the business model and perfect anything that's not already perfected, which we're, I think we're there. I really do. We, we've experimented with a couple different types of hardware on the, the parking sensors. We've experimented with a couple different types of applications, if you will, for hardware that turns the electric on and off, smart switches, smart breakers, things like that. We've actually found some failures along the way. So it's a process. We think in the next couple of years, we're going to build some more and we're going to build them in that southern two to 300 miles north of Florida or north of I-10 uh-huh. range because we think that's where the transient traffic will be and we're going to be near the city. So we have all these new usages to enhance our customer base numbers. And on those north and south corridors, like 75 and 95 and and 85 and 55 (laughs) and, you know, you name it. If we kind of plant seeds across there as we gather our data, then we can figure out what's next. And as far as franchises, once we kind of know how to properly structure it so that we're fair to whoever our partner might be. And and right now, just to try to anticipate things that I haven't lived through, it would be difficult to write a franchise agreement and not have to live with something that might have been a mistake for either me or for the partner. So we just need a little more time to, to play some of this out. But I am kind of excited and I feel like there is a demand and there will be pretty soon, you know, dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of these RV self parks around all the major cities and other attractions, not just cities, but you know, racetracks and hospitals and right. places where the people want to be. Yeah. And many of us already own very nice RVs, but because there's nowhere to use them, we can't. Yeah. So that's kind of the, that's the thoughts. If you guys have any other questions, I'm happy to try to fill in the blanks. Or I think you have given us a great picture of, of RV Self Park. And like I say, we're, we're wishing you the best with this and can't wait until we can experience it ourselves. Yeah. Well, thank you for your interest and feedback and publicity or, you know, how, whatever. I <laughs> Thank you for it. I appreciate it. It's always nice to have that reinforcement. You know what I mean? Yeah. And thank you for your time. And I think you've got a great idea here. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And if uh, anything else comes up, don't hesitate to call. You, you have my number. Happy to meet you guys. Sounds great. Thank All right. Thank you so thank much, you. Jim. Have a great weekend. You too. Nice Bye. to meet you, Peggy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I see you're packing for our next road trip. Oh, yeah. These are all the ingredients for making different grilled cheese sandwiches with our grub stick. Great. But uh, where are the clothes? I got all kinds of inspiration for making grilled cheese sandwiches with our grub sticks over the campfire. There are 11 kinds of cheese and bacon, bacon jam, ham, five kinds of bread. Oh, wait. Okay. That's all for making grilled cheese sandwiches? Yeah. I know the grub stick is the perfect campfire accessory made of quality parts that work together for sandwiches, hot dogs, s'mores, woofums, and all sorts of other great meals. But isn't this a bit too much variety? Camping is supposed to be simple. Oh, it's simple to use your grub stick over the campfire or even on the barbecue to make great meals. And even kids can use them safely and easily. Plus, with the coupon code HAPPYCAMPERS, you get 15% off your grub sticks. It's the best deal around. 
Yeah, but it's going to take us weeks to eat that mini grilled cheese sandwiches. <laughs> oh, yeah. Weeks of grilled cheese. You say that like it's a bad thing. And you haven't even seen what I packed for breakfast and dinners. We are going to be camping for months. My husband is insane. But Grubstick is the perfect cooking accessory for any campfire. And you can get 15% off using the coupon code HAPPYCAMPERS from our partners page at StresslessCamping.com. All right. So what do you think of that? Do you think there's a market for what Jim's got? I actually do believe there is. I, think, I do. Especially as I kept saying in California... And again, California, why don't you open the darn rest stops already <laughs> for Pete's sake? I mean, geez louise. But if we had these RV self-parks, then that would solve the problem. We wouldn't need to sleep in truck stops or Walmarts or rest areas. Correct. Which all of those Walmarts, at least in rest stops, you're not supposed to sleep at, depending on the locality right. <laughs> anyway. So, hey, don't do that, but we're not going to give you an alternative. Right. Anyway. Yeah. All right. All right. Enough all whining. Right. Let's eat. Let's eat. This week, we have spent as much time as possible at Camp Boredom <laughs> in our driveway. Yes. With our propane-powered fire pit. Yes. And our tripod that a friend of ours made, who's a welder. And he made us a tripod, and we hung a grill from the tripod yep. and put it over our fire pit and we have been using our cast iron skillet for the most part and making meals at camp boredom yes so the thinking behind this i have seen those tripod hangers on various websites including amazon and what i want to be able to do is not be nervous about having a cast iron pot on the fire so instead of buying some 20 dollar cheap thing from the interwebs this guy is a welder and a blacksmith and he made us this tripod and it was it's really cool we have hung the grill three wrought iron s hooks and a cast iron pot with a cast iron lid yeah and it never once made me think that it was going to come down it's no, super it's very strong. very sturdy yeah yeah made in america baby that's right so there you go so we're going to tell you about the meals that we've been eating at camp boredom this week absolutely and it's kind of fun because we want to be able to do this on the road so some of the caveats are has to be easy to do has to be stuff we typically have in the trailer right and stuff that we like <laughs> so oh, you had to go through on that in there <laughs> i know right so the first thing we did okay so i'm of german ancestry and i make some pretty mean sauerkraut because Indeed. it's got bacon in it and beer <laughs> bacon beer onions and pickled cabbage or sauerkraut and it's not sour. It's I think it's really good. And so I make sauerkraut and keep it in the fridge. And we made sauerkraut dogs. We did. So we put the dogs right on the grill yep. and put the sauerkraut into a little foil package, which we could have used the skillet, I guess, but it's big and we didn't need that much space. So we warmed up the sauerkraut. Had pretzel buns and made... I was made... trying to remember if we heated the pretzel buns. I don't remember. <laughs> well, one of the cool things, we made a video for each of these things. Yeah. So uh, we'll have those to share as well. That's right. So the sauerkraut dogs were the first thing the second thing we made was cheese fondue yum yum now this is a tradition for us on christmas yep. we always have fondue and 
for the last few years, we've been camping for Christmas. So we have to find a way to have fondue while we're camping. And we've done it. Now, this was not the cast iron skillet. We used one of our <laughs> stainless steel pans that we use in the camper. Yeah, we have these cool nesting pans. And so we use that and our grub sticks for this. Well, yeah, and fondue forks. <laughs> yeah, well, I use my grub stick You did a lot. use your grub stick, but it was, hard, it was hard for me to reach, and I get impatient, so. Not me. <laughs> and we used a measuring cup because our... So right after I proposed to Peggy, we were in Switzerland, and we went and had fondue so fondue has been a part of our world together for some time but my dad told me about the fact that you're supposed to dip the bread in schnapps and then in the cheese and that makes fondue like ooh la la ooh la ooh. yeah <laughs> so you get a lot of schnapps and we didn't have a shot well usually we use like a small ramekin or something and what we had in the camper was a measuring cup so yeah. we used our measuring cup for the schnapps and dipped our fondue do bread and then hate our fondue over the fire yeah and so there's different ways of doing it fondue is, is it's basically just a dish of melted cheese and stale bread i mean when you boil down to it <laughs> what else do you need in life right? but you can buy pre-made fondues and that's what this was in like a little package and it's it keeps in your camper cabinet and it's like hey you want fondue tonight it's literally no big deal right so you open a package you heat it up you cut up some bread Make sure you got the schnapps and you're good to go. You're good to go. Easy peasy. Yeah. So the next thing that we ate was chicken stuff. <laughs> Peggy has a different word for it. We're not going to say that. I do have a different word for it, but we're going to just call it chicken stuff. And that is sort of a casserole of canned chicken, yeah. stuffing, mushroom sour soup. cream, yeah. mushroom soup. And cheese. And cheese, yeah. And it's basically just layered together. And then when I first saw the recipe, it was, you know, put it in a pan and put it in the oven. So I put it in the cast iron skillet and put it on the fire. And what we learned over the last few days was that we start the fire early because it's got those lava rocks in it. And so the lava rocks heat up and then we put the pan down as close to the fire as we can. So the bottom, of course, is going to be a little warmer because that's where the actual flames are. But in cast iron on a low enough fire with the lid on it, it makes itself into an oven. Yeah, it really, uh, you know, it was kind of an experiment. We're thinking ah, this could be pretty terrible where the bottom's just hot and the whole thing is kind of eh, but no, it was good. It was great. And someone did tell me when they showed a picture that the bottom was burned and you could avoid the burn, blah, blah, blah. And I said, that's the best part. That's the part we fight over with fondue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I wouldn't call it burned. I'd say it was crisp. Yeah, it was crisp. And speaking of crisp, that's how I like the crust of my pizza. I know yeah. there are some people out there going, uh-uh-uh. But we made pizza in the cast iron skillet right. over the campfire. Very similar to the chicken stuff. We put the pizza dough down and pre-cooked it for a few minutes. So this, just to let everyone know, the dough was that Jiffy 
Well, as I'm sure in your world, same as ours, we went to the market to see what all pizza dough there was, if there was any at all. And no frozen pizza doughs, no of those bobolis. There was one thing, and that was Jiffy pizza crust mix. And that was it. And it worked. Yeah, I was shocked. I honestly think this was better than boboli because boboli's already cooked. And I think by the time you use all that heat to melt the cheese and everything on top, the boboli would have burned. Yeah, so this crust, we you know we mixed it up, and again the idea is you have this stuff in the camper, and that little box is tiny, yeah, and all you need is warm water. Well, that's easy. So we mixed up the dough and put it in the cast iron skillet, and I you cook it for a little while first with no topping. So I cooked it for like ten minutes over the fire with the lid on it, and then we put the pizza toppings, which in our case happened to be <laughs> what well, what it was it was <laughs> spaghetti sauce, yeah. Because we didn't have pizza sauce. <laughs> Breakfast sausage. Yeah. <laughs> and cheese. Yeah. And, and we had the breakfast sausage. You know, it's like bulk sausage already. So you cook that first, obviously. And then you put all that on the pizza and bing, bang, boom. Like 20 minutes later, it was good. The it was crust, really well cooked. Yeah. yeah. The crust was all crispy. And, and, and the cheese was all melted. It yeah. was just right. Yeah. You'll see the video of that. It was good. It I was, was really, really I was surprised. I, I had very low expectations <laughs> and no it worked out so then because we didn't use the whole pound of sausage on the pizza i made a sausage breakfast casserole and i used the bread that we didn't use up when we ate fondue and another can of mushroom soup and the sausage and cheese so maybe see a theme here <laughs> yeah well the sausage casserole is something we used to serve when we owned the bed and breakfast that's right and people absolutely loved it they yeah. they would just go nuts for this it's a pretty simple thing, but man, it really comes out tasting great. And again, it cooked just right. We put it as slow as we could over the fire, kept the lid on the pan, and just cooked it as though it was an oven, and it worked out just great. Yep. Well, it's delicious. The next thing we made came from, there's a barbecue restaurant that we really used to like a lot. And in the fires that we had in Northern California, it burned down, unfortunately. But we had eaten this sweet potato hash enough. And I don't like sweet potatoes, but this thing is so good. So all it is, it's really simple. It's cubed up sweet potatoes, cubed up mushrooms and onions. And that's it for the big ingredients. What I do is I cook the sweet potatoes in an orange-infused olive oil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the mushrooms also in an orange-infused olive oil. And then for salt, I use the Alderwood smoked sea salt on them. And then you cook the onions just in regular oil and mix it together. Golly, that's good. Really, really good. And on a plus note, they rebuilt the restaurant that's since. That's right, they did. It's a good story. And man, that thing, that sweet potato hash is easy. You just have, you know, mushrooms and sweet potatoes and an onion. And it's good. And you can make it for breakfast or as a side dish or whatnot. In fact, we had the leftovers for breakfast this morning. That's with right. Spam. With spam. So, you know, this makes me think of, you know, the whole shelter in place and everything. And so many people are learning. Learning to make things that they didn't know how to make before, things that they used to go to a restaurant because they loved. And like a couple weeks ago, we made honey walnut shrimp and found out that we actually could do it. I don't have to go to a restaurant to get it. And that sweet potato hash is another example. We thought 
we were doomed and we'd never get it if we didn't learn how to make it. So we learned how to make it and now it's available again if the restaurant is ever able to <laughs> be allowed yeah, to open right. again. <laughs> what a deal. They burned down, they rebuild, and now they can't open. So like a lot of things, it's kind of going around Facebook. Like when the world reopens, are you going to go back and buy that or are you just going to keep making it now that you learn how? <laughs> no, I'm still going to be lazy. Restaurant, I just sit That's and right. order. <laughs> the last thing that we made is something, again, that we used to make a lot at the bed and breakfast when we had it. That's right. And that is a German pancake. And so I had some apples that I wanted to eat up. And so I chopped up some apples and we made the batter for a German pancake and put it in the cast iron skillet and baked it on the campfire. So when we go camping again, which actually might be pretty soon, we have, through Boondockers Welcome, have found a place locally we can go. And we probably will. And we're going to eat well when we get to the campground. That's right, because now we are experienced. Well, with this tripod thing, yeah, it's, uh, I'm, completely thrilled with this thing and i wasn't sure i just you know it's one of those things i love youtube <laughs> and i saw it on youtube and i'm like yeah we'll see man this thing is great the tripod the propane fire pit and a grill and you're all set and i like the propane fire pit because there are more and more places especially here in northern california that are limiting the campfires to only propane fires right. and part of the reason for that is you can just shut it off and it's done and it's also nice in that you just, you know, you don't need wood and it's not a fire hazard as much as a real fire, according to their insurance company. So it works out. So I wanted to, rather than be frustrated that we can't build a wood fire, okay, let's take that and take the reality that we live in and accommodate. And I think we have. Absolutely. And I don't know if anybody else has this sort of mental block. At first I thought you can't cook over a gas fire. Ah. And, then, ah. and then I started to wonder what exactly I thought a barbecue was. Right? <laughs> it's the same thing. You know, if I want to sleep outside, I would say, duh, but I would <laughs> never say that because I enjoy sleeping inside the house. Yeah, sometimes it takes me a while to catch on, like no. about boondocking, and about gas fires. <laughs> Do you know that if you push up on that little switch on the wall, the lights turn on? <laughs> <laughs> I learned that when I was only five. Oh, blimey. Okay. <laughs> That's what we have for you this week. Uh, hopefully now you're all hungry and you're going to try this. And if you have a different or unique way of cooking while you're at camp, let us know. That's why we have our Facebook group. And gosh, we really appreciate the input and comments that we see there. So thank you. We do. And now that we have mastered the cast iron skillet over the campfire, we need to try some other ideas while we're sitting around being bored. I wouldn't call us masters, but we certainly feel that we're comfortable with it. How's Confident, that? yeah. There are some people out there who are just, they are the kings or well, queens Well, this is true, this, yeah. But... I'm not going to challenge anybody. Right, right. All right, so thank you again for joining us. And we, of course, really appreciate the reviews that you leave on Apple Podcasts. Uh, of course, if you tell a friend or share on social media or however you spread the word helps us uh, grow this little podcast which means we continually get better guests and that's super and you can find us at all the social places and if you don't want to look on all the places just go to www.stresslesscamping.com from there you can jump off to all those other places yep and of course you don't want to miss out on a future episode of stressless camping it's free and you can subscribe on any podcast app we are saving you a seat 
around our virtual campfire. Thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. Go get your propane fire pits, tripods, and cast iron, and let us know what you're going to eat. And most of all, happy happy camping. camping! We hope you enjoyed this week's adventure. Time to get out on your own journey. Don't forget to leave a review on your favorite podcast app. And visit StresslessCamping.com for photos, stories, an RV calendar, and more. I'm Stressless Camper Larry Richardson wishing you happy camping.